Welcome to Five Friday Feedback on the Five Guys podcast, where we recap key takeaways from our most recent episode in order to help cement the information in your mind. We'll also be providing insights to burning questions from our community members in the viewer mailbag. Remember, the Five Guys podcast is your trusted source for all things financial independence, and we're thrilled to have you here with us on this journey. So whether you're listening while commuting, at the gym, or just relaxing at home, we're here to provide you with the knowledge and inspiration you need to achieve your financial goals. The Fly Guys is a podcast dedicated to providing general information and insights on a wide range of wealth-related topics. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guests and do not constitute personalized financial advice. The content provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It should not be considered a substitute for professional financial advice. Your financial situation and goals are unique and the information provided here may not be applicable or suitable for your specific circumstances. We, the host and the guests of the Fly Guys are not acting as your financial advisor. We are not aware of your individual financial situations, risk tolerance, or investment objectives. Any decisions or actions you take based on the information provided on this podcast are your own and made at your own risk. I may be a financial advisor, but I am not your financial advisor. And now that the lawyers are happy, let's get started. Can you really prevent money from ruining your relationship? Are you ready to unlock the secrets of financial harmony for your marriage? Or have you ever wondered, can you keep money from becoming the villain in your love story? Well, today in Five Friday Feedback, we are discussing those very topics as we recap earlier episode on 10 ways to ensure that money never is the catalyst for divorce. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, marriages. a lot of people say money is the root of all evil, but in this case, it's the lack of communication yep. that might get you yep. in the end. No, money money is just a tool. Money is not the lack of anything. It's, no. it's a tool. Yeah. And maybe people are the root of all evil because money is just an accentuator. Exactly. When, if you were already an asshole, yeah. when you have money, you're going to be a, you're gonna be a bigger asshole. Yeah. If you were a good person before money, once you have money, you're going to be a better person. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, welcome to the Five Guys. Welcome to the Five Guys. Welcome to Five Friday Feedback. It's Friday. Da, 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 da. Hey, right. of the week. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so we got a recap. Yep, recap of your mailbag and then a win of the week. Yes, sir. Yep, so today we are going to be first off discussing what we talked about on Monday, which is how to prevent money from ruining your marriage. Mm. We gave 10 steps. Um, we had a few different segments. I say this, so we're going to cut out the segments. We're just only going to talk on the steps, the yes. 10 steps, I love a little it. bit more clear. Um, we try breaking it down by like, you know, Different sections. Yeah, yeah different sections. Subsections. Yeah. Settings yeah. of your, setting the yeah. foundation, communicating, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's confusing for us, maybe confusing for the yeah. listeners from what I saw in the comments. So yeah. we're just going to make it a little bit easier this time. Perfect. Yeah, so. Let's get right into it. First things first is we always want to talk about the impact of money in relationships. Mm -hmm. So many people think like, well, love will conquer all and money should not be a part of love. But yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like uh, if I have a wife, she likes to be fed and money buys her food. So it's part of the relationship. Yeah, it, it really is. And money is one of the biggest stresses in all people's life. Like mm -hmm. if you pull the average person, money is the biggest stress. And then relationships inherently are stressful. Yes, they are. Comparison, comparing to other people, comparing yourself to past relationships, you know. There's so many, you know, you're in a very vulnerable state. You're yeah. giving trust to this person that they don't destroy you. And, <laughs> you know, you know, they don't create a villain arc in your, uh, your grand story. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, money is definitely a huge factor to be talked about. And most couples, they don't even talk about it. Yeah, most couples are completely like, if we avoid it long enough, mm -hmm. it will go away. Yeah, it's not true. But it that's only not gets really bigger and scarier. Yep, it only gets bigger and scarier. I think a lot of people, too, they're afraid to look at their money stuff yeah. because they're afraid of seeing the truth. Yeah. But oftentimes, 
if people actually look at them, they might realize that the truth is not as scary as they thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fear is a mile wide and an inch deep. Yep. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it because, you know, the biggest the biggest cause for divorce in this country is money issues. That's right. I think 60 to 70% of divorces are caused as a primary issue is money. So if we can help one person yeah. be more open with their communication with their partner yeah. in order to avoid that divorce, because at the end of the day, money issues are money issues, but a divorce is going to ruin you. It's going to be 50% of your money gone. Like, yeah, he was guaranteed unless you had a prenup or a post-nup. Yeah. 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 No. Um, yeah. We're saving marriages out here today. We are. We're, we're, we're literally superheroes today. We, so. we are saving you. So number one. Number one is don't start off by setting yourself up for disaster. Yes. So many people dig a freaking hole yeah. before they even before they even say I do. Yeah. And they're already starting with the weddings and yeah, weddings and celebration. Yeah. All know, the good stuff. The big, the giant wedding, 200 people there. You know, like how many people did you have at your wedding? Uh, I think 38. 38? You're small. I want a small wedding yeah, too. Small, small, I want small wedding. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, setting budget-friendly celebrations is probably a really good idea. Yeah. It is very much a good idea because when, remember most people, when they're getting married for, if you're on your first marriage, you are still relatively younger. Yes. You may be twenties or thirties. You're not making a lot of money yet. Mm-hmm. You might have start you might just start being now to break into the like making more money phase. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to put a bunch of credit or go into a bunch of debt in order to finance a wedding because a wedding is not going to give you any return on investment with the exception of remembering that day. The memory dividends will be there. That is strong, but you're not going to be able to be like, I can cash these in <laughs> yeah. for money. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Unless you credit card hacked it, uh, which, which your boy here did. That's what I did. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, with being 20 years old, in your 20s, maybe early 30s, but probably closer than your 20s, um, you're just learning how to make money. You're learning, still learning how to be an adult, mm-hmm. basically. And you're just, you might just barely, fingers crossed, be on your start to financial journey. Mm-hmm. Because some people start in their 20s, some people start in their 30s, some people never start. Yep. But it's great if you're already younger or if you're not younger to start today on your financial journey. Yeah, the best time to plant a tree with 10 years ago, the next best day is right now. Absolutely. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're 20 years old. If you're 20 years old, you have the power of compound interest behind you, the power of time. If you're 60 years old, Mm -hmm. you don't have as much time in terms of time and compound interest, Mm -hmm. but you have the ability to hopefully be making the biggest amount of money you've ever made. So we need to cut back on lifestyle in order to reach financial independence. The best time to start right now, though, is now. Don't put it off because it's only going to get worse. Yeah, and I think, you know, what whatever stage you're at there's always moves to be made yep you can always make moves no matter if you're 60 or, or 16 yep. you know and that's what i love about this game is yeah. there's so much opportunity for everyone yep. so first thing in order to make sure that we avoid the 10 sins of getting a divorce due to money is don't start yourself in a disaster zone yes. so average american wedding costs anywhere from 30 to sixty thousand dollars depending on what part of the state you're in huge range most people do not have thirty to sixty thousand dollars ready to go. No. So that means that they are hopefully their parents maybe are helping and not coughing cost, you know, charging them a loan on that. Yeah. But most people are using credit cards. Yeah. In yeah. order to fund these things. And remember with credit cards, they have interest rates of somewhere from twenty to thirty percent that you're having to now make up and you're starting that hole of you know, the moment you say I do, now we have our money troubles already beginning. Yeah, it's true. So that's a lot of struggle. That's a lot of extra stress, yep. unneeded stress that a newlywed doesn't really need. 
you know, you don't want to be on your honeymoon thinking like, I just, we just committed a financial crime at that wedding. Like yeah. it was so expensive. It was so much fun, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the cheesecake, the, 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 the birthday cake, the birthday cake, the wedding cake was dry and it was like $8,000. Oh my God. Probably get Costco. Um, yeah. So number two for ways to make sure that we improve our financial standpoint with our spouse is discuss your demons with your spouse. And what I mean by that is be fully financially transparent and discuss before marriage what kind of things you're bringing to the table. Discuss your outstanding debts, your loans, any future obligations you may have. That way you both can basically stand in front of each other, letting each other know this is what I'm going to be bringing to the marriage. And then with your partner can make a conscious decision if they want to be a part of that. And I understand that could be really, really scary mm -hmm. to like, you're basically giving your partner an out. Like, hey, yeah. this is all the stuff. Yeah. But if your partner loves you and, and this is meant to be, they're going to stick with you through that. Mm -hmm. But I can assure you that it's going to be a lot better if you do it before the marriage than the moment that they sign the papers that you go, just so you know, I'm $100,000 in credit card debt. And now 50% of it's on you. So now I'm fifty thousand dollars in debt. Let's go. Um, not a good way to start off uh, a long-term partnership. No, don't keep secrets. If you if you have a gambling problem, it's probably best to say it. Yep. Yeah. If you have a finance problem or any problem, communication's key. Yeah, communication's so key. key. And I, I mean, ideally, your partner would have been maybe noticing that like, there's some trends, stuffs yeah. weird. <laughs> Hopefully, like maybe taking some ownership of it too. I've been like, you know, yeah. there were signs, but ultimately, you can only take ownership of your life and by taking ownership of your life. You're communicating with your partner. What's going on with you financially? What what the hell is up? Absolutely. And point number three, understanding your partner's money mindset. This is so key mm -hmm. and so overlooked by pretty much all finance gurus out there. Yes. Everyone just says, you know, money is just dollars and cents and understanding it mm -hmm. down to the nuances of specific knowledge. I fundamentally disagree with that. I think the majority of money has to do with your behaviors, your systems, your habits, and the way that you think about things, yeah. mostly your emotions. So- at the root of all things when it comes to your money is your temperament, the way that you were brought up around money, what your parents taught you about money, what society brought you around money, and what your individual genetics were with money. Exactly. For example, for myself, I was naturally frugal. Just as a kid, like I was the kid picking up pennies and stuff. Mm -hmm. Never had like an entrepreneurial dream in my life, but I was a big saver. My sister, opposite. Mm -hmm. Zero entrepreneurial endeavors herself, but loved to spend money. Interesting. So very, very different people can come out very differently. Yeah. And we both have the same experiences, but the way that we look at things is different. So it's important that you and your spouse or your partner sit down together and ex explore those things together without judgment. Absolutely. Yeah. I think money means different things to different people. Yep. We talked about it last pod on Monday. Uh, it could mean security. It could mean experiences. It could mean safety. It could mean the future. You know, it could be uh, a form of way to flex on a way to flex on people or a, a form of, of loathing or, or comfort you know uh but yeah i mean understanding how your partner thinks when it comes to money and how they spend it are they, they scarcity are they uh are they excess yeah. abundance yeah so you know it's it's before you can move forward if you haven't already you know figured out how your partner's mind works it's probably a good time to start Doing that. Yeah. yeah, you're never going to full, fully no. understand them. No. And they, they no. quite frankly, they probably don't fully understand themselves. Yeah. But it's good to have that perspective and understand, are we aligned? Are we aligned in the way that we think about money? And if we're not, that's okay. Me and my wife, we're not aligned in the way that we think about money. For me, money is security. We want to keep the money all the time and never spend it. My wife is, money can always be made. Let's yes. spend it and have fun. 
Yep. So neither one of us are right, neither one of us are wrong, but in order for our marriage to work out, in order for us to be happy, in order for us to live for today and for tomorrow, we have to find a happy middle, mm -hmm. and the happy middle is constantly moving. But the only way that we can find that middle is by constant communication, constantly working at it. Yes, and aligning your goals. Yep. You know, that is the key. And getting on to point number four, you got to set your eyes on the same prize. Yes. If we're both looking at the same thing, we're both focused on that objective and we can get to that objective. But if you're looking that way, I'm looking this way. The further we go, the more apart we're going to be. Yep. And what that means is doing regular check-ins for our financial goals mm -hmm. and making sure that our goals are first off aligned to, yes. to the money mindset part. Yes. If we're both, if one of us is going for financial independence, retire early, and the other one is going for being able to buy a new Bugatti every year. Okay. We're going in completely different, completely different, completely different ways. Yeah. And I'm not saying that either one of those is right or wrong for you, I don't know. but you guys need to communicate and figure out, is there a happy medium Yeah. or, and that's where it comes very important that you come to your partner without judgment and understanding why they want those things. Yeah. Cause you might be able to find out that the reason they want the Bugatti is so that they can show off to people that they have money. And maybe you on your financial independence realm can tell them the best way to have money is to never spend, is not to spend the money, but to never, to be in full autonomy of our time. Yeah. And they might agree with you there and move closer to your side. But if you're coming at people and they're saying like, I need to buy a new Bugatti every year. And you're like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Well, guess what? Now they're going to buy that Bugatti out they're of spite. Definitely going to buy that. Yeah. Out of spite. Yeah. No, I definitely. I mean, like we say, we're going to repeat it so many times during this podcast. Communication is key. Yep. You got to understand your partner and communicate and don't hold secrets and just be honest. The best thing is honesty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, keep your eye on the same price. I think this is even more important in single income households because mm -hmm. what I do see a lot is, you know, and then luckily things are kind of changing, but historically men would go and make money and then women would basically stay home. Mm -hmm. But then that created a lot of issues in that the man was basically like, this is our direction. This is where we're going and mm -hmm. I'm making the money so you can't say anything about it. Yeah, and that's not right. Luckily, I mean, thankfully we have really progressed as like a society and that's not really the norm anymore. Yeah. I mean, shoot. Most women are outperforming men in terms of income, which is amazing. That's the way, That's I mean, cool. they're smarter than us. So yeah, do your thing. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like, that's just not a good way to live. You guys are a partnership. Yeah. No one, if it's not a partnership, if I'm the one just telling you, Dominic, we're doing this. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a team. We make decisions as a team. We make strategies as a team. And we work together as a team. Yep. So we need to align our goals together to make sure that we're moving in the same direction and that we're both taking on both people's perspectives and both people's truths to finding that. Mm -hmm. And it, if one person doesn't work and the other person does work and brings in all the money, it doesn't mean the person that works makes all the same because they're, they make all the money. It's like, no, it's a team. Yep. It is a team. And the reason that you're allowed to go out and make the money is because your partner is at home doing what mm -hmm. they're doing too. Yeah. But we in America and we in all around the world, we like to focus on the dollars and the cents because that's quantifiable. Yeah. Like you work this hard and this is how much money you made. Mm -hmm. But a spouse staying home and staying home with the kids, mm. taking care of the house, getting everything ready so that the other spouse go out and make money. Mm. Oftentimes that's overlooked because oh, we so can't quantify that. You yeah. can't be like, oh, it's, that, not, it's not financially quantifiable. You can't be like, oh, well, that, that was worth $20,000. That's worth this. That's worth mm -hmm. this. Actually, you made more money being at home than you did. Mm -hmm. um, so but but long term, it has such a big impact. You it, know, It does. And that's where the communication aspect mm -hmm. really comes into it and making sure that both partners are contributing. Yeah. And if there isn't a disalignment of contributions, yeah. you need to talk about that. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't think it's going to get better because that's the biggest thing that most people have is hope. Hope it'll get better if I do, if I just avoid it long enough. It never does. Never does. No. Hope is not a strategy. Hope is never a strategy. Never a strategy. 
Getting on to point number five. Don't be afraid of the B word. Yes. I'm not talking about bitch. No. I'm talking <laughs> about budget. Budget. But we don't really like that word. I'm not a big fan of the word budget. It seems too constraining. That's what I was thinking. Like, like, so ah, I was thinking. I want to. Nick. Chris, you can only spend a hundred. I need to break free. You can only do this. You can only do this. It's like, I'm going to bust out of here because I'm a real red-blooded American. You can't put me in a box. I'm going to break out. I'm going to spend everything. But we do like spending plans. Spending plan. I like that. We got a plan. We got a strategy. I can adhere to a strategy. Yep, I can adhere to a strategy for my long-term goals. So rather Sorry. than saying, like, I can only spend this much money in something, it's it's essentially the exact same thing. But we're changing the perspective on it and say, I get to spend uh -huh. this much money in this areas. Yeah, and in order to do that, that means I'm not going to be spending as much money in these areas. So we make this conscious spending plan. The reason I like spending plans too is because with a budget, if you screw up and you go over your budget, you're like, well, it's yeah, screw not. it, screw it. Yeah, might as well just spend the whole paycheck, blow and, everything, and we'll out. just max out this credit card too, because yeah. why not? But when you have a spending plan, you really can't lose at a spending plan. Hey, my goal was to spend five hundred dollars in this in this category. I actually spent seven hundred. Cool. Yeah. It's, um, and now you have a thing to bring to your partner next time you guys talk. Yeah. You have communication that you guys can open up about and have dialogue with one another, mm -hmm. which is, again, the most important part that you have consistent, constant dialogue with one another. Absolutely. That is so true. Yep. And then not only do we have, because when you're combining finances, mm -hmm. dealing with an individual budget's hard enough. Mm -hmm. Now we're combining two people's budgets. So it's going to make it far more difficult. So we have to always remember that within our joint budget there are individual budgets as well so i always think it's important to make sure that we have discretionary funds set up fund money set up for yeah. each one of the partners where you don't have to communicate with your partner on it just go for it if it's under a certain amount yeah i agree i agree 100 percent. you know you shouldn't have to ask to buy something if it's 20 bucks yep. you know 30 bucks like for you and your family or i think it was either you or a buddy of yours that said like you know if it's under 100 for the house just get it yeah for me my wife is under 100 but i have yeah. a friend who said it's over Ten hundred, ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand, yeah. It's like but they're making good money, but they don't make that good of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that kind of goes along with step number six. Yep. You know, you you can't keep secrets. No. Especially financial secrets, but secrets in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Financial secrets, normal secrets, and secrets usually aren't that great in a relationship. No. But what that's really known as is financial infidelity, mm -hmm. where you're basically keeping a separate set of books that you're not telling your partner about. Like, oh, I have this extra money that I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's that, off the books. It's, it's off the books. I, that's my secret family in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> my dad used to say that all the time. Really? Oh, yeah. He used to mess with me as a kid. He's like, oh, I got, he would buy presents like with me. And he'd like, he'd put like a football in the cart and be like, ah, oh, it's for the other family. And then I get to Christmas and there was no football. But was that, what the hell, what the hell was that about? Was, was there really another family? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to it. Yeah, we're getting back to it. I mean, <laughs> it's very important that, again, back to it's just come back to consistent communication, right? Yes, Making sir. sure that we have our marital truths, our financial truths, and that we're coming at each other without judgment. Mm -hmm. And that means if someone comes to you with the truth, like, hey, honey, I overspent this month. I did this. Don't freak the fuck out. Yeah. Just be okay with that. Have a meaningful discussion. Mm -hmm. Because to point number seven, we need to give our partners breathing room. Everyone's going to screw up, but remember that everyone is doing the best they can with the information they have. Yes. I think a lot of us, what we think though, is when our partner overspends, they are trying to spite us. Mm -hmm. They knew that how this we would react to this, and they did it anyways. Well, yeah. if you have a good partner, that should literally never be the the truth. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you know if if you come forward 
and say, hey, I, I overspent this month and it was a lot. I, I made a mistake. Uh, and Or if they come to you like that, you know, you're probably going to be a little bit mad or angry, mm -hmm. but nothing good can come of you being angry. So it's like, okay, let me take a pause. Let me go in another room. Let me just like think about it for a minute and I'll come back and we can talk about it rationally because, you know, if I'm angry, you're going to be angry. Mm -hmm. If I, you know, how I react is going to play a part in how you react. Yep. You know, if I'm just yelling at you and you're just like, yeah, no problem. It's like, that's weird. Like if I'm yelling at you, you're going to feel it. So yeah, I mean, like we said, like give them some breathing room, give them some breathing room. They're human. They make errors. They make mistakes. And what's a journey without a few speed bumps? Yep. And look at it as an opportunity for you both to make sure that you have the same alignment. Mm -hmm. So this has happened to me and my wife where she's overspent or we've overspent too much on mm -hmm. things. And, you know, obviously in the moment, was I mad? Yes. But this was a point for me to be able to try to detach from the situation, to practice my stoicism. I can't control what the world gives, what the world happens, but I can't control how I react to it. Yep. So rather than freaking out, I was able to sit down with her. We got to talk about like, okay, you overspent in these areas. And now we're in a little bit of debt. What did we learn from this? Where were the, were the spending things you did was not worth it at this point. Yeah. And since those times where I didn't freak out, where I was able to react, mm -hmm. she was able to see that like, I'm here for her. We're, yeah. we're together in this partnership. We're going to get ourselves out of it. It's okay. And now next time something goes wrong, she can come to me mm -hmm. with these things because we're going to work through it together. And I'm not going to freak out and you know throw the book at her. It's okay. Yeah. You can have these discussions. But yeah. if you do freak out, like they're not going to burn bridges, basically. burning bridges. Yeah. You might win the battle, but you're definitely not going to win the war. No, no. Like, like the way you reacted now, she trusts you more. She, uh, she's more comfortable. And you know, when a mistake does arise, it's not like, oh, I have to hide this. Yep. I have to keep this. And those secret. secrets, they, 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 they're not good. Yep. You know? And how many people do you remember when you were growing up and maybe you were shopping with mom and they would put something inside the car and be like, don't tell dad about this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then what are you teaching your kid? At that point, what did you learn from that? What you learned from that is mom and dad don't talk about money because mom and dad will fight about money. Mm -hmm. So now when you go to your relationship, you're reliving that same exact generation of trauma that we're trying to avoid right now. Like kind of break. Being open, you know, and communicating and changing generational sins is not easy, but at some point someone needs to break that chain so that you don't pass down to your kids. Yes, sir. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, I think with that being said, let's get on to the next point. Yeah. Number eight is make sure that we have a common system around money um, that we're going to use. So I've always liked to do this is we have a like agreed upon spending limits. Mm -hmm. So like we talked about before with me and my wife, it's a hundred dollars, anything for the house. If it's under a hundred dollars, don't even bring it up to me. Yep. Go ahead and do it. Whatever. Yep. If it's over a hundred dollars, then let's just have a quick conversation. doesn't need to be we don't need to like hear he, hear he. Let's all gather around the table and do this thing. Yeah. It could be as simple as a text. Yeah. You know, very, very, very simple, but $100 is usually the limit. Mm -hmm. But for, like I've told you, I've had people who say $10,000 is the limit. Whatever it is for you, I'm not here to say it's right or wrong, yeah. but setting up clear and concise ground rules yes. so that you can both be the general and the soldier. You know what you're going to execute on and you're going to execute on it pretty much without anything. Bingo. I mean, I love that. I think that's. That might be one of my favorite. I mean, obviously, like there's some really good rules in here. Like, don't be a liar and, <laughs> you know, be trustful and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, for I love this one. Yeah, I really I really responded and took in what you said last week about having these proper systems in place for spending 
and you know having a mutually agreed upon number yep. i love that yep. i love that so much yep. and then just make sure if if, if things go wrong mm -hmm. and it's okay yeah it's okay we react to it like, yep. like i said my wife and i we have 500 dollars we can do whatever we want with yep. very often everyone my wife goes over her 500 mm -hmm. but for me it's okay because i have 500 too and i didn't spend yeah i know that like yeah you so might spend two three might spend like 200 bucks yeah. usually, usually like 250 uh that's usually just for jujitsu Gotcha. Hey, what do you get for jujitsu? Like, uh, uh, well, I spend for tuition and jujitsu. Oh, I now that I'm a coach, I'm not paying that anymore. So I I'll probably have a lot more extra money. Oh, nice. That my wife can spend. <laughs> <laughs> Dang perks of being Chris's wife. But it's very important to. I, that brings up a really key point. Don't go tit for tat with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Like this is a game of abundance. This is a game that you guys are working together. And I see too often couples saying like, "Well, he spent a thousand dollars on a new gun." So mm -hmm. I get to spend a thousand dollars on a new Gucci purse, and yep. now we start playing this game. Yep. And well, well, you went the thousand two hundred dollars, so I get an extra two hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. And now they're playing this game with one another, and it's just a bad game to play. Be happy with what you have. You know, you guys are a partnership. If someone goes over eventually in life and just cosmic karma, you will get it back. Yep. It's okay. Yep. Yeah, it's um, it's not great to challenge your spouse. In that regard, you know, I mean, if you're playing Mario Kart, I could see it. Oh, yeah. But like, if you're competing like that, that's just negatives for both of you. Yep. And you're just hurting the team. Yep. You're hurting the team. You're never going to get to whatever your guys' goals are. And that's why it's so important to set those goals up at the beginning mm -hmm. and make sure we're both moving in the same direction. Yeah. Because when you guys do have a disagreement, so, hey, I really want to buy this purse. You can ask the question, yep. does that purse get us to our long-term goal? Yeah. And now at least you guys have a common groundwork to have a discussion on that. On is that purse really worth it? Mm -hmm. And maybe your spouse will say, yeah, the purse is still worth it. Mm -hmm. Even knowing that the goal is what it is, I want this purse. Okay. You can do it with, with that with your goal. But maybe at some point it'll be like, you know what? You're right. Because yeah. we have this common goal that we're both going at. Yeah. Or if it's like, okay, I want this, you know, I don't, I don't know purses very well, but like I want this Chanel purse. It's X dollars, you know? It's like, well, is that your forever purse? It's like, because like, I know for like my mom. She has a purse. It's like a Louis Vuitton purse. She loves this purse. It was got. It was a gift to her in like eighties, nineties. Whoa. Yeah. So it's like it's older than you, and she loves this purse. And it's like you can really change the conversation. It's like, okay, is this a trendy purse that you like, or do you want to save up more and get a forever purse? Yeah. You know, that's like, something my wife has been kind of moving towards recently because she's always been the big spender. And I want to buy this. I want to buy this. And I think due to like us doing the podcast, me just kind of getting better at communicating about money. Mm -hmm. And she's realizing there's always a trade-off and is she yeah. willing to make the trade-off? So now she's, I've been noticing her. She's been saying like, rather than spending a bunch of money on like these cheaper things, yeah. what if I just purchase these nicer items that I can keep forever? They might be a little bit more right now, but they're not like hot pink or something like crazy color. Yeah, yeah, very they're trendy. They're yeah. neutral yep. that I can use all the time yes, and sir. mix and match. Yep. Yep. So I'm getting to see that before my eyes. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, the pod, we do this for the community. We do this for you. Yep. But more importantly, we do it for ourselves. Yeah. Selfishly, it helps us a lot. Yeah. My buddy Thomas, he gave me a funny quote because we were talking about uh, getting like two different options on the product for the for the house. And I was like, I think I might go with this cheaper option, you know, but cheaper cost, cheaper product. Mm -hmm. And he's like, <clears throat> he's like, well, if you get the bigger one. He's like, buy once, cry once. You know, like, what is this guy? But and we ended up going with the different, the more expensive one, and it was the quality was immaculate. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, sometimes quality and price are not linked, mm -hmm. but sometimes they are. And mm -hmm. you know, that's the hard part is everyone wants that rule that works 100% of the time. Yes, sir. And there is no rule that works 100% of the time because different situations are different situations. Yep. And different people are different people. So that brings us to number nine. Remember the golden rule. Yes. The golden rule from when you were a kid, treat others the way that you want to be treated. So treat your spouse the way that they that, that you want to be treated. So when disagreements come up, address them respectfully. Mm -hmm. Like don't like financial disagreements do not need to be a battle. They shouldn't be a battle. They should be a compromise where we're trying to find the middle between both of us because we both come through our money mindset. We both have our own unique experiences, our own unique ways of looking at things, our own unique past that brought us to where we are. So just because you see money in one way and they see money in, in, in a certain way, or you see a purchase as frivolous and they see a purchase as super important. Mm -hmm. Neither one of you are right. Neither one of you are wrong. Mm -hmm. You guys need to find the truth together. Absolutely. You know, your team act like it. Yep. Act yep. like it. Be respectful. You know, you, um, if you want to be good in a relationship, you can't be vindictive and evil and manipulative and just dark yeah. to your to your partner. You know, this is this is the love of your life, hopefully. Hopefully. And unfortunately, I feel like that's that's been the societal norm is that mm -hmm. you just kind of act like a dick and you just mm -hmm. you, you both try to steal from you. You're both trying to take from each other. Yep. And that's what we're trying to change here. The five guys yep. to make sure that money doesn't have to be that. Yep. And there really is no destination where you reach like this eternal nirvana with money you're just like i've done it i've, I've achieved enlightenment yeah. i never have to do anything with money you know there's this old buddhist quote it's before enlightenment chop wood carry water after enlightenment chop wood carry water the mm -hmm. process remains exactly the same yeah um you know it's, it's kind of like people that are bodybuilders or like really focused on health and you look at them and you're like wow that person has figured it out but if that person stopped working out and stopped doing it they're gonna fall yeah probably to where you are pretty quickly. So they haven't, they haven't figured out fight or they haven't figured out fitness and that they have this perfect workout routine. They do one time a year and they're done. No, they have accepted that this is a consistent discipline they've implemented into their lives. Same with finances. Yep. It's a consistent discipline that, that they've implemented into their lives that they're happy with doing and that they're good with doing every single day. Bingo. They've made it consistent. I love it. And that brings us to step number 10. Yes, sir. In case we are having trouble following the golden rule, if we're having troubles with numbers one through nine, if you're having trouble with all that, it's going to be difficult, but mm -hmm. you know, no better way to start is we can always call in reinforcements yes. and call in the big guns if things are getting really bad. And what that means is call in financial planners, call in therapists. Um, there is a new emerging field called financial therapy, which I'm happy to say Minds on Wealth is really on the forefront of mm -hmm. and being able to sit there and meld the my psychological background in psychology with money. So I like that. so many people think that money is just dollars and cents, specific knowledge. It's not 80 to 90% of it has to do with your mindset, with your systems, your habits, your beliefs, and your emotions. Yeah. Money is highly illogical. It really is. It really is. And it's very person to person. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. That's the personal side of personal finance. Yep. So many people, like when I've talked to, to people who have always made a lot of money, they're like, well, I don't understand why people would ever want to buy a lottery ticket. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But to someone who's in that situation where no matter what I do, I'm not going to be able to make all my bills, being able to spend $3 for hope that I will be able to pay for all my bills makes logical sense in that scenario. Yeah. They're, they're hoping for a miracle. They're hoping for a miracle. And without that, they really have nothing. Yeah. Even if they lose, it's okay. Maybe next time I'm going to have that miracle. Yeah. Because if I can't afford to pay for shoes 
and carrots and all these things, saving $3 isn't going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But at least that $3 can buy me a little bit of hope. Mm -hmm. So you can always purchase in the big guns. And remember the action step for last week. Yes, sir. I think it's a big one. Set up a money date with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Just set up some time where you guys can go out. It doesn't have to be something super expensive, but it also shouldn't be sitting around like eating carrots around a candle and like something really sad. Go out to something that's moderately, you enjoy it. moderately nice. Go out for a drink together. Go out for an, an, a nice moderate dinner and talk about your guys' finances. Number one, focus on your guys' money mindsets. Ask about their past. What did money mean to you when you were growing up? What did your parents teach you about money? What did, what kind of things did you witness around money that shape you and who you are today? After you guys have talked about your money mindset, listen to each other. Don't judge one another. Yeah. After that, make sure that you guys have a clear goal that you both are striving, striving for. What I like to do for that is ask my partner, where do you see us in 10 years? What's your ideal day in 10 years? What's your ideal year, day in 20 years? What's your ideal day in 30 years? Yeah. And that way we can make sure that we're both moving in the same direction. You don't want someone's ideal day in 10 years to be, oh, I wake up and we have 10 kids and we're living on a farm and everything's great. Yeah. And then your other partners is we live in New York and it's just you and I. Yeah. In a studio apartment. In a studio yeah. apartment. Like pizza every day. Yeah. Eating pizza every day and playing video games. Yeah. You said you want to make sure that you guys are moving in the same direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think with that being said, it is time for viewer mailbag. Five Friend of Feet Mac Edition. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, all right. It's that time of the week where we read letters from the viewers, a.k.a. viewer mailbag. And we got a good one today. I'm actually, uh, I read through it. It's solid. You read through it this time? I read through it this yes. time. Yes, sir, I did. So expect perfection. From 40K to 75K, balancing ambition and well-being. Howdy, five guys. Howdy. I've been doing some soul searching recently and felt compelled to share my thoughts with you. As I consider you someone whose perspective I value. I value my perspective too. Yeah, we appreciate that. <laughs> Looking back on my post-college journey, I've had the opportunity to experience three different jobs, each making a significant step toward my career. Thanks. Starting out at a modest 40K, I've seen my income climb to a respectable 75K. Nice, dude. That's almost double. Right? On the surface, this is an upward trajectory. I should be cause for celebration. But I find myself grappling with the newfound sense of greed and obsession. Since reaching the 70K milestone, an unexpected wave of anxiety and insecurity has washed over me. It's as if the money that I've gotten has caused more problems and <laughs> an insatiable appetite for financial success. Interesting. Uh, my fixation on reaching the elusive 100K mark has become an all-consuming thought dominating my, my mind throughout the day. Oh my. The crux of the issue lies in my tendency to compare myself to others. I've started measuring my worth against my peers, and it's taking a toll on my mental health and well-being. While I objectively acknowledge that I'm doing well for my age... Uh, the constant comparison leads me to be excessively hard on myself. Yep. Yeah, we know a bit about that. Yep. This unhealthy pattern is a source of great concern for me. I realize that I'm not only jeopardizing my mental health, but also hindering my ability to appreciate the process and the progress that I've made. The rising cost of living only intensifies the feeling of stagnation, making it difficult to recognize the strides I've taken in my career. 
I understand the importance of setting ambitious goals, but I fear that my current mindset is detrimental. I want to be healthier and balance between aspiring for financial success and appreciating the present. It's time to break free from this cycle of comparison and self-critique. I would greatly appreciate any insight or advice you may have, especially if you've encountered similar struggles in your own journey. Your perspective means a lot to me, and I also believe that sharing experiences like this can be powerful, can be a powerful catalyst for personal growth. Thank you for taking the time to read my thoughts, and I look forward to hearing from you. From started small, now feeling alive, doubled my income, but why does it feel like I can thrive? Interesting. That was a good one. That was a solid one. That was good. Congratulations. 70K. <coughs> yeah. 70K. That's Double good. Double your income. That's pretty solid. That's fun. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of uh, psychology in this one, really. A lot of psychology in this one. And, you know, a lot of ideas that we expounded upon multiple mm -hmm. times in, in the podcast. And, you know, this is where money is not all about dollars and cents, right? Like Correct. they have doubled their income. Mm -hmm. Technically, they should be double as happy. Technically, yeah, I guess based on this, yes. Yeah, based on this, they should be double as happy. And if we double it together, we double as happy. Yeah. But that's not the way things work, right? No, because you go a few more doubles and he's going to be like high on life. High on life, but he won't be. He won't be. You know, it just, it just is what it is. So first off, I appreciate your openness, mm -hmm. um, writer, for you know sharing your thoughts, your concerns. And first off, I want to congratulate you because most people go through life without ever having this realization that having more money does not lead to more happiness. I'm not going to be that person that says more money, more problems, because that's not really true. Yeah. Like different how, problems. Yeah, more money, different problems. Yeah. Less money. Less money. There are there, there are, there, there, there are more still, problems. Yeah. yeah. You know, after a certain point, you know, I would probably say like, once you're making like low six figures, like as an, as as a family, as an individual, maybe like seventy thousand or so, mm -hmm. and you can basically hit all of the things you have to do. You can pay your bills. Yeah. You know be able to go out and eat, be able to feed yourself, do all those things. After that, money does not really add increased happiness. If you're below that, like you can't pay your bills, then yeah, more money is going to bring extreme happiness. Yeah. Uh, relief. Yep. Because really. it's going to get stress off your back. But exactly. after you've reached that level, more money is not going to increase your happy happiness at pace with how much money you had. Agreed. Agreed. So to your first point of like, what do I do? First off, I've been there. And Dominic, have you ever been in this situation where you're making more money and you feel like, oh, I should be happier, but I'm not. You know, I haven't been in this specific, uh, you know, I, where I make more money and I, I'm, I've always been a fairly happy person. Um, but I have found myself in the past to compare myself to others, uh, especially, you know, I mean, even like in the gym, it's like, wow, these guys are huge. They look big. Uh, and even in the finance realm, you know, it's like, or compare yourself to peers. Of course I've been there, you know, and I'm an adult in America. Like who hasn't been yeah. in that specific, you know, arena? But the realization that you are in this game and it is having a, like he said, a detrimental effect on his mental health and well-being is super powerful. Yep. You know? that, that's great because first you recognize there's a problem yeah. and now you can actually fix it. Most yeah. people never even recognize there's yeah. a problem. Like one of the best skills you can have or develop is just awareness of what's going on to yourself and to your surroundings. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like if you were a gazelle in the safari and you had zero awareness of your situation and you're surrounded by lions you're like oh, today's like a nice friday i can't wait to go to the the lake a little bit later and drink some water with the friends like no you're about to get killed yeah you know um but yeah i mean do you want to get yeah. to the next point so i think the most important thing first off is we first have to find success for you mm -hmm. so 
it sounds like right now what you're doing is you've increased your income from 40,000 to 75,000, which is already huge. But as your income increased, so did who you were looking at. So when you were saying like, I'm at 40,000, if I just made 60,000, I'd be so happy. You reach 60,000, you're like, well, that didn't increase my happiness as much as I thought. Maybe it's because I set the wrong number. Yeah. And I need to do 75,000. Yeah. Now you're at 75,000. You're like, oh, okay, it's the wrong number again because I'm not happy. So it's probably six figures. I guarantee you when you get to 100,000, you're going to have the exact same thing. Yeah. Because there's always somebody else you can compete against to get, compete against. There's always someone who is more successful than you. Until you're able to define what success means to you, you'll never be able to break free of that. Mm -hmm. That's one of the biggest things when it comes to the psychology of money is understanding what is enough for you. Mm -hmm. For me, success is being having full autonomy of my time. And there's a lot that I have sacrificed in my life in order to have that now. Yeah. That means that I don't have the greatest and best things in the world. I'm not going out and blowing money constantly. Like from someone looking at me from the outside, they probably think like he's probably middle class, probably works at like a modest job. Yeah, probably yeah. works at like as a manager at Costco or whatever. Like mm -hmm. he just does something. But then you just see me like walking around the neighborhood at all hours of the day. And like, what does this guy do? Like, yeah, he's, he's here all the time. Yeah. Like just walking his dogs. Yep. Um, because for me, I said, I decided that I want to give up having a, a bunch of nice things in order to have full control of my time all the time. Yeah. So to find what success means to you, because when you're striving to beat other people, it's going to be very, very difficult because the moment that you beat one person, guess what? There's another person in the wings ready to go. Yeah. Developing that skill to know yourself and to know when you have enough is so important because yeah. a lot of people in finance, you know, they'll never have enough. Nope. They'll never have enough and they'll continue to chase it and chase it and chase it. And they'll, I feel like you get caught up in the day to day craziness. Yeah. I mean, think of, uh, think of you, think of our reader right now, $75,000. Like, oh man, if I could be an MLB player yeah. for one year and make $3 million. I'd be set for life. I'd be set. But the person who's making $3 million, the kid that just signed that contract, he's looking at the guy that just signed the $30 million contract. The $30 million contract guy is looking at the manager, or not the manager, the team owner, who just made $100 million. And that $100 million is looking at the hedge fund manager who made $300 million this year. So there's always somebody else. And then they're all competing against Elon and, and Bezos. Yeah, 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 exactly. No one's beating them. No. Um, but So that's where it's very important that we not only set goals or like what is a success for us but we also make sure that the goals are realistic because yeah. some so many people they set a goal of like i need to be making 13 trillion dollars a year and at that point i'll be happy i think we did a study once or they did a study where we talked about it once where millennials were saying in order for me to be happy the average millennial needs to be making like 1.8 million dollars a year yeah, it was a crazy yeah, number. Something insane. So it was like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, but they only wanted an average of like $400,000. In their savings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it was like really bizarre. It was really weird. Such a weird... Some of these studies are... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're asking like the wrong people. They're, like, <laughs> yeah. they're like looking for like... They're looking for the crazy... Who's going to give us the crazy answers? Dude, dude, if I was doing a like those like camera style interviews, I'd do that. Yeah. Just look yeah. for like the person... Like the that person. guy doesn't yeah. know jack about anything. Yeah, Give me a the guy, number. The guy with no shirt on the face tattoo, I'm going to ask that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, but I think the next thing we need to do is we, in order to like kind of break free of this is we need to start practicing gratitude. Okay. I, lo I love the transition there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy with the face tattoo. And gratitude. And gratitude. We must be grateful for what we have. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's really important that we practice gratitude. Rather than focusing on what we don't have, if you focus on what you do have, 
life's going to be so much better. Um, I've, I've given this story before, but for my wife, this, this last Thanksgiving on day one of November, I wrote down something that I was thankful for that she did day two, something I was thankful for day three, something I was thankful for. So by day 25 or whatever day Thanksgiving fell on, she had a list of like 20 some odd things that I was grateful for that she did. And that was a gift for her that I gave her for Thanksgiving. But more importantly than the gift that I gave to her, it was a gift for me. Cause rather than focusing on the things that my wife did wrong or the things I didn't, wasn't happy with, I was focusing every day on what can I find that's unique about my wife that I love. Yeah. And I was focusing on the gratitude parts and the things that she brings. Um, so you should do the exact same thing with your life. I agree. Every morning during my meditation practice, that's something I do. I try to be grateful for all the things that I have because there is so much that once you have it, you just kind of feel like it's always been there. But if you think about yourself just a year ago, you have so much more than you did have mm -hmm. that you're just kind of now just putting into your life as it just always has been this way. Yeah. And that's the idea of the hedonic treadmill, which is a fancy term for as you add more things to your life, they become habituated that you don't care about them anymore. So you added new things. So just like a treadmill where you're running and going nowhere, it's the exact same situation you are currently in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think gratitude is one of those things where it really puts perspective into your life. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things I learned early on is to be grateful for what you have. Uh, and something I actually learned as a child, because we had, we had enough, but it's like when you have like your favorite snack, we don't get it very often. It might be like once or twice a year, you get it. You're so grateful for it. Mm -hmm. You appreciate it so much. And gratitude is just oh, the power of the gratitude, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's huge. It's so huge. And one thing that's going to help with being more grateful is to limit your social comparison. Agreed. Because yeah. it's very, very difficult, especially now when we're watching people on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and we're watching someone's perfectly curated life. Yes. Where they are showing you just the highlight reel. And you begin to think that like, well, this is all I see from them. So this just must be their life. Yeah. But just like you, just like I, there's a lot of positives but there are also a lot of lows too. And they're not showing that on their Instagram feed. They're not showing any of that stuff. So, you know, by <clears throat> limiting that comparison, it allows us to be more grateful for the things we do have. This is also a big thing for me when I travel to like different countries and stuff, mm -hmm. I get to see how other people live. Yeah. And rather than comparing myself upwards, like we always do, mm -hmm. I'm not saying compare yourself with someone who's below you, but when you get to see where other people are in their life and they're still happy, yeah. you know, I just remember myself when I was in college, basically with like no money yeah. or when I just got out of college with zero money and I was working my ass off trying to make money. And for the most part, I was really happy. Mm -hmm. But if you took me today and put me back in that situation, I'd freak the hell out yeah. because I've now become a very accustomed to a different lifestyle. So mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing I've been trying to focus on. And I would you know, preface our listener to focus on too, is being happy with what you have now because your income can rise and so can your lifestyle exponentially and forever. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah, yeah. I think part of it, getting on to your next point, um, I think it's very important, you know, not just to have uh, limited social comparisons, but to live a balanced life. Yep. And really, like, he seems like he's taking care of his job. He's now he's trying to learn how to take care of his mind and probably his body too, as well. And. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's to be celebrated. I don't think enough people in our society are cheered on by going to the gym. There's a lot of like, oh, like, you know, celebrating people who 
aren't pushing themselves to be their best selves. And I think it's super important to really like, like congratulations, man, for like actually trying to better yourself. You listen to a financial podcast to grow your net worth, to grow your mind, grow everything. And I think that's to be celebrated. Yeah, I think it's very important that we have that balanced perspective because you are much more than what your salary is. Yes, sir. And so many people, again, just, just like back to when there's um, a single income family, so many people, they focus on what one person's bringing in because the other person isn't bringing any money. And we like that as as like life because it's quantifiable. I can quantify how do how good I'm doing compared to everyone else based off of this metric, what I'm getting on my tax return. Like, I can quantify that. But being able to say, but my family loves me, and I'm healthy, and I get to sleep well at night, yeah. and all those things, those aren't quantifiable. But those are, I would say, far more important than how much zeros are in your bank account. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You know, there's more to life than just money. Yep. You know, you're, like you said, you're, you're more than just the money that you bring in. You know, you're a person, you're an experience, you're, you're fun. You're, you're, you're a brother, a sister, maybe uh, a father, a son, you know, you're yeah. more than just a number. Yeah. And then to that point, I think at this point, if you really are considering it, professional guidance might be good, 100%. you know, and that doesn't, that doesn't mean I'm not trying to like do a, a shout out for mods on walls because you know, financial guidance could be good for you, but maybe like a therapist, like honestly, a therapist who can help you to work with that striving for more and wanting more or even a mentor yep or even yep. a mentor yeah yeah it could be very very helpful and there's a lot you can learn from mentors you can learn what you want to do but i think more importantly what i've learned from mentors is what i don't want to do yeah 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 that's fair yeah that's very fair yeah, yeah. and then i think the next thing from the mentorship and the therapy is cultivate mindfulness mm -hmm. you know for me buddhism and stoicism has been like god sense of everything for me um and that really um, those things are unrelated to money in, in so many ways but once you kind of see how everything is connected, you can see that, oh no, it is money. It is, it is everything. So that's been very, very helpful to me because once we're able to like engage ourselves mindfully, we're able to see that the reason that we are have finding this like level of unsatisfactory in life isn't because of other people, isn't because of marketing, isn't because of anything, it's because of ourselves. It's because of ourselves striving for more. We are the source of our greatest discontent in life. But that also means that we are the source that can break free of that if we choose to stop striving for more. I'm not saying to not strive because you need to strive for more, but there's a point that where you can say, I don't want to play this game anymore yep. and I'm happy with what I have. Absolutely. Um, and then the final thing is connect with others. Share your story like you have with others. That way you can actually hear this perspective because without us telling you that you're doing great and you know, once you get to 100,000, I'm going to assume that your money mindset is not going to magically shift mm -hmm. until you start working on yourself and being happy with who you are. Because so many people think, if I just got this new car, if I got these new pair of shoes, if I got this new whatever, I'm finally gonna be happy. But when they achieve that, they realize like, oh, they didn't bring the happiness I wanted. I must've been striving for the wrong thing and you need to go get more stuff. Yeah. But until you're able to look at that and say, had nothing to do with the things, had all to do with me trying to fill a hole that could not be filled with more and more things, because I'm the source of my unhappiness and I need to work on that internally. So connect with others. That way you guys can have that communication, that open dialogue. And you're actually opening with people outside of comparison, comparison yourself to people on social media who are only showing you their best curated life. You get to actually talk with people who are showing you their insights because all you know is your insights. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than being surrounded with good people. Yep. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Being surrounded with bad people, toxic people, judgy people. You know, you don't know their next move. Like, 
I mean, like just us hanging out, mm-hmm. uh, Chris and Dom, it's 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 game on. You know, we talk about the same stuff, or we have similar mindsets, and just being in the presence of someone who shares the same energy is not only comforting to know that I'm not alone, but it's inspiring. Yep. You know, to know that's like, oh, he's he's killing it jujitsu. Now he's a teacher. He's pushing himself here. I'm gonna push myself there, and you know, we're becoming better. We're always on the hunt to be better. And it's beautiful to know that our viewers are also on that same path. Yep. That they're trying to get better. And then my closing thoughts for you are just remember that your worth extends far beyond your income. And a fulfilling life is encompass is encompasses a variety of different aspects. So embrace your journey with kindness, celebrate your achievements, and be patient with yourself as you navigate these phases. There's not gonna be a moment that you just wake up and you're like, you've hit it. Yeah. Cause that's never going to happen. You have to make sure that you bring this in to a practice and that practice is going to be something that's going to be with you for the rest of your life. You're never just automatically good with money and now you're good with money for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's a constant practice that you're constantly working with to get better every day. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And with that, dear viewer, big hugs from Arizona. Congratulations again on already increasing your income. What? Uh, over a few years? Dude. Right out of college? Killing it. I mean, once you get to six figures, just... I know you're going to hit it. So yeah. congratulations. You're focusing on one side of the equation. How much money can we make? Mm-hmm. Now let's start focusing on how much money do we spend? Bingo. With that being said, let's get on to win of the week. Win of the week. Do you want to go first? Sure. Go first. I'll go this week. Right. Um, so my win of the week is we actually just got back from an extended weekend in Portland. Nice. Uh, we had to go visit some friends. So what that really showed me, and back to what, kind of what we just talked about there with our viewer, is that life is so much more than money and being able to like go do cool things and all this stuff and being able to purchase things. But I think the most important thing about life is, is having strong connections with family and friends. Mm-hmm. So being able to be there with my friends over the weekend and going out and having fun and eating and drinking and just being able to do a bunch of cool stuff, you know, it reminded me that we can go out, my wife and I go out and like buy a new car or buy new things, buy new whatever, or we can choose to have the autonomy of the time to be able to spend time with each other and engaging relationships that are going to last forever. Cause I don't think anyone on their deathbed has ever been like, Oh, thank God I had that other car, you know, <laughs> like, thank God I had so many cars. Yeah. But I think a lot of people will say like, thank God that I gave time to my friends, to my family, to impact their lives in a meaningful way and for them to impact me. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I love that. At the end of your life, no one cares what your net worth was. No. Everyone only cares about the quality of relationships that you had with others. Mm-hmm. The people that really matter to you, all they cared about was the memories. Yep. Yeah. For my win of the week, everything in the new house, I am moving currently, and I have been for a little bit, but everything in the new house is basically moved in, except the bedroom. That's like the final step. Got to move the clothes and whatnot. But um, yeah, the studio's all set up. Living room's all set up. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, the whole moving process <coughs> and like, it's weird. I, I heard about this business model well back about flipping couches. You people give away couches. Uh-huh. So you like clean take them? them, you clean them, and then you sell them. Basically, there are so many people giving away free couches. It's yeah. crazy. I went to go buy a couch, and like hundred, he was asking like hundred and eighty. I was like, all right, I'll give you a hundred. He's like one twenty. I'm like, cool. We shook on it, everything. He's like, I'm not leaving till like the thirtieth, thirty first. He's like, you mind if we just wait? I'm like, whatever, whatever. It's fine. I didn't think anything of it. But he ended up just never texting us back, right? 
Well, my dad went on, myself, my dad, my friends and all, we went all went on like Facebook Marketplace. We found another couch, so many couches, by the way, which was basically almost the same couch, a little bit smaller, completely free. Wow. Yeah. And we got a free table too. Cool. Yeah. So it's it's sick. So the living room is completely first. Might be the comfiest couch I've ever sat in. Yeah. Facebook Marketplace is so good for finding free stuff. Same yeah. with Nextdoor, actually. Yeah. And Nextdoor, the app that like tells you yeah. stuff in your neighborhood. Yeah. There's a free section where people are just like, hey, I have this free stuff. Come grab it. That's awesome. Going to have to check it out. Because they're in your neighborhood, too. For so sure. It's even better. I love that. But yeah, that's my win of the week. Uh, the house is getting all ready. And ooh, it's it's exciting. Um, tomorrow, we're moving the, the bedroom. And yeah, I'll be moved in. How exciting. I know. All right. Well... A financial friend. Thank you so much for joining us for another exciting episode of Five Friday Feedback with the Five Guys. I hope that today you really found some value because we talked about 10 ways to ensure that money never negatively impacts your marriage. Mm -hmm. So remember, it all comes down to open communication and making sure that you are coming with your partner together from a judgment-free zone where you try to understand one another because only together are you guys going to go where you guys want to go. Absolutely. You know, you can go by yourself faster probably but you're going to go by yourself and you're going to lose half your net worth when you get a divorce so yeah. don't do that don't do that yeah there's so many beautiful things that we talked about in today's podcast i hope you learned it hope you uh enjoyed it and i guess we'll see you in the next one don't forget to like the show subscribe if you're new and, yep. uh, and don't forget for the fee if you found any value today please tell a friend about the five guys and we will see you next monday for an exciting episode until then have a great weekend later this video podcast is sponsored by mons on wealth the content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial advice. We do not endorse specific products or services. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests, not the podcast sponsor. It is crucial to consult with a qualified financial advisor or professional who can provide advice tailored to your specific needs before making any financial decisions, investments, or taking any other actions. If you are seeking specified help, you can reach out to Chris at monsonwealth.com.